for the, the summer months, going to be doing songs for summer. And so we'll be in Psalm chapter 33 this morning. Psalm 33 is where we're going to be starting. You can just open up your Bible to the, the middle of the, the Bible and you'll find the book of Psalms and then look for Psalm 33. And I'll, I'll read this and then we'll talk about it. Psalm 33, verse 1. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to Him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright and all His work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the plans of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees the children of man. From where He sits enthroned, He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him. Because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Now, as you look at verse 1, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. As you come in this morning, it struck me as I was looking at this. It calls us. You righteous. You righteous. And as I was thinking about that this week and thinking about the fact that uh, this psalm calls the righteous people, the upright, to praise and shout for joy to the Lord, it struck me that that's all over in the Bible. Especially in the Old Testament, the call for God's people, the righteous people, to come to Him and sing His praises. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, that's not what I think of myself most of the time. I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church and what I have been convinced of is that I am a sinner. And yet, it calls the righteous. So who is he calling here? Is he calling us? Because we've been told from the time that we were little or as soon as you entered the church, you've been told you are a sinner. 
There is nothing good about you. You are sinful from birth and are a sinner saved only by the grace of God. And I have become convinced over the years without paying close enough attention that I am a sinner. Which is true, right? Some of you went, are you about to say that you're not? Because Travis, I know you better than that. It's true, I am a sinner, but before God, I am righteous. And in fact, God's people are called to be righteous. And so what He's doing is He is calling those who are His people, those who are in right standing with God, who stand appropriately before God, He's calling them to shout to the Lord for joy. Isn't that wonderful? You are God's righteous people when you are His people. You're called to come and shout for joy to Him. I don't often feel like shouting for joy because I'm being told I'm a sinner. It's not that much to get excited about. And so I cry and I repent and I beg the Lord to forgive me, but this isn't that kind of a psalm. This is an excited celebration kind of a psalm. Hey, all you righteous people, we've got to come into the house of the Lord and we have got to shout! This is why I needed kids here. (laughs) Kids, we are going to shout. We're going to shout hooray. Ready? One, two, three. Hooray! That's what shouting sounds like, adults. Okay, here's what I want to try. Kids, I want you to say shout, and adults, I want you to say hooray, and we're going to see who's louder. Ready? Shout! 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 That was pretty good. Not too bad. Do you know, kids, that there is no way they would be that loud if they weren't competing with you? (laughs) I could have done this very same illustration last week, and they would not have been even close to that loud. So thank you. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. That when God created the world, He put things into motion and made them right. He made them right. And now we fit into that creation and praise befits us. That's what we were designed to do. We were designed to to, uh, describe how wonderful God is. That's what praising something is, right? When, When we praise something, we talk about how wonderful it is. We look at it and go, oh, wow, that's really great. We we verbalize it and say, isn't this wonderful? This thing that I, I'm holding here, isn't, isn't this the best thing that I have ever seen? And then we talk to other people about it and we say, isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? Some, sometimes the thing that we're holding is a new gadget. I mean, if you're anything like me, it's a new gadget. And we go, this is the coolest thing I have ever seen. My friend Greg came over to my house. He was helping me with some electrical work a couple of years ago. And he said, I want to show you this thing. And he pulls out, it looks like a pen. And he goes, this is the coolest thing. It will save your life at least twice. It looks like a pen. He goes, yes, but it's the kind of pen that when you hold it up to a wire and there's electricity in that wire, it goes beep. 
It's a save your life, change your life kind of a tool. It's a, I, I have walked around with that thing. I bought myself one. He brought one over. I didn't need it for that project. I don't know if I'll ever need it because I don't do those kinds of projects without help. But I bought one anyway. Because this is the kind of tool that every guy should have. Guys, if you don't have it, I'm telling you. It's a save your life, change your life kind of a tool. I'm singing the praises of a pen. When we get excited about stuff, we start talking about it. And we start telling you all about it. That's what praising is. It's just talking about verbalizing, vocalizing how great something is. And so when it says, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, because praise befits the upright. Those, of, those people who are standing in right relationship with God, praise just befits them. Befits is a word that we don't use that often. It means it suits them. It's appropriate for them. It just fits. It's, it's just the right thing for them to be doing. To sing praises to God. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, verse 2. Make melody to Him with the harp of, of ten strings. Sing Him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Okay. Music goes hand in hand with praise. It, it just, there's something about when we talk about something and we, we say, this is a really wonderful thing. It sounds good. We can shout it and it sounds more exciting. If we put it to poetry, it sounds beautiful. And once you add music, it's just delightful. It is wonderful to sing praises. And so he, he's the, the uh, author of this psalm is calling God's people. He's encouraging them to come. Come on. Come on. It is time to come. It is time to shout. It is time to sing. We are going to have musicians who play. And they are going to play on the lyre. And they are going to play on a harp with ten strings. And they are going to play new songs. And they are going to play really well. And those of you who can't play, just shout really loud. So some of you fall into the sing beautifully and bring a beautiful melody to the Lord. And some of you fit into the shout really loud category. That's okay. This is bringing praise to God. This is glorifying Him. That we would sing and shout and do that together. You know what it doesn't say? Go ahead and sit quietly. It doesn't say that here. There's nothing here. Now, there are other parts of the Bible where that's okay. I'm not going to diminish calmly sitting and meditating on God's Word. That's appropriate in places, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about, come on everybody, we are going to shout for joy and we are going to sing praises and we are going to have stringed instruments play beautifully to encourage you to do that. Because that is what God's people do. That is what fits for God's people. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He said, praise is inner health made audible? Isn't that great? Praise is inner health made audible. We can hear it. 
I know that some people come uh, on Sunday mornings and, and you don't feel comfortable um, putting things through your vocal cords so that other people might hear it. Um, you have a variety of reasons for that. Maybe somebody told you one time you were singing with great gusto and they told you, wow, that really sounds terrible. And so you decided never again would anyone hear you say that or sing like that. But I want to encourage you in this place, things need to be vocalized. They need to be verbalized. They need to come out of us. It has to be audible so that we can hear it. The louder, the better. Because that's what bringing praise is. He, uh, in another place, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep, te- keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. There is, there's something about the expression of the praise. There's something about the expression of the delight and the happiness in it that completes it. You, you already were happy. You already were excited and content and, and delighted in this thing. But it isn't until you bring the praise out that the whole circle is completed. And it's, it really feels satisfactory. Like, I, I'm trying to express the praise and the delight and the appreciation that I have, and so I'm making it audible. I'm verbalizing what that is. Now, some of you come in Sunday morning and you are just revved because you had a great week and you are excited about who God is. You had an amazing quiet time this morning as you were reading through God's Word. It just spoke to you and resonated with you. And you came in this morning and you were all smiles and some sunbeams. And you were talking with people and you were trying to get them encouraged and excited. And you are just ready as soon as the first strum was strummed on the guitar. You were just ready to sing God's praises and shout if only you could, would be given permission to shout. Some of you did not quite come in in that same tone. Some of you came in and you were not quite ready to sing God's praises. You were not feeling energetic this morning. It was a rough night. It's been a rough couple of weeks. You came in and you forgot to have a quiet time this morning and to read God's Word at all this week. You came in dragging yourself in because it is your duty to go to church and because you are a sinner who needs to be forgiven and so maybe if I go to church that will help. But singing praises and shouting thanksgivings to God is not where you are at this morning. And so what the psalmist does is he gives us a a template for help. Because he's calling God's people, the righteous people, the upright in heart, he's calling them to sing praises, to shout for joy to the Lord, and he knows not all of them are ready to do that. Sometimes our praise and worship comes right out of fresh experiences with God. We just experience God in a fresh way, and it just exudes out of us this excitement. And other times, um, the fresh Experience with God that that, uh, causes us to praise and to worship is just a reading through and a refreshing on who God is. And it's a very old experience that we are rehearsing. 
And so what the psalmist does is while he calls people to worship and he says, look, come, come and shout, come and sing, come and be joyful before the Lord. And then he knows none of some of you are not quite ready for that. And so he starts listing reasons. These are the praiseworthy qualities of the Lord. Verses four and five. These are the praiseworthy qualities of the Lord. These are the reasons for which you will praise him. Verse 4, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. Verse 5, he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. That's why we praise. That's why we sing. That's why we get excited because the word of the Lord is upright. And all his work is done in faithfulness. And he loves righteousness and justice. And the earth is full of his steadfast, faithful, enduring love. And so we come and we sing praises to him. And some of you just needed to be reminded of those things and you're going, Oh yeah! I was, I just, I wasn't quite excited yet. It's not that I was down, I just wasn't excited yet. But now I read the word of the Lord is upright and his work is done in faithfulness and he loves righteousness and justice and the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And I think God is upright and he is faithful and he is just and he is loving and now I am ready, just start playing again. I'm sorry that I wasn't ready when I got here, but if you would just start playing, now I'm ready to sing. And others of you are going... You know, you seem to have a lot of energy up there and I don't know where that's coming from. And you can list the praiseworthy qualities of the Lord just like an infomercial lists the praiseworthy qualities of that piece of garbage that they are hawking to us. But but I don't buy it. And so what he does then in in the verses that follow is uh, he puts out evidence for the praiseworthy qualities that he's already put forth. So in verses 4 and 5, he puts out these four praiseworthy qualities, that the Lord is upright, that the Lord is faithful, that the Lord is just, and that the Lord is loving. And then beginning in verse 6, he begins to describe how we know that that's the case. Verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the water of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. For the word of the Lord, verse 4, the very beginning of verse 4, for the word of the Lord is upright. And now verses 6 through 9, he begins to describe why the word of the Lord is upright. How the word of the Lord is upright. And where does he start? He starts at creation. That God spoke and the world came into being. Now, how does the word of God appear upright in his speaking into existence the world? He's speaking into existence and setting an order for this is how the world will work. This is how everything will be. This is how everything will be ordered and structured and worked together. 
And in putting all of that together, this is the upright nature of the world. The way that it is supposed to be, its proper order and structure. And when you and I, as God's people, want to fit rightly in God's ordered creation, then we will fit right in our place and see all of creation and how it was designed to be. You know when you go to play a game, and you go to play a game with somebody, what's the very first thing you do? You establish the rules. This game is not going to be any fun if we don't play by the same rules. Calvin Ball aside, we have to play by the rules, right? Because if you're playing by one set of rules and I'm playing by another set of rules, then no one is going to have any fun. I, I know this because I have seen this in my very own house. That people play a game... And they disagree on the rules. And for some reason, you don't discover the, the difference in what we think that the rules should be until you're already partway into the game. And then nobody is upright or righteous anymore. Everybody is disappointed and frustrated and angry. But once you set the rules of the game at the beginning of the game and you begin to play, now you may have winners and losers, but everybody knows this is how it's supposed to work and this is my part in this game and we do that all together and everything works the way that it's supposed to, especially when I win. Right? That went right over the kids' heads. They're, they're working on a word find. Um, and I made it a really difficult word find, so good luck. Uh, but by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He, he put it all together just from the words of his mouth. Isn't this great poetry, by the way? This, this kind of poetry is different than the kind of poetry that we're accustomed to. The meter is different, and there's not so much with the rhyming. But the parallels, the way that he writes it, and then he writes it a different way. So that you get to see it one way, and then you get to hear it a different way. And sometimes those parallels contrast, and sometimes they build, and sometimes they explain. But it's just this beautiful poetry. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. All, all of it. Every piece of it was breathed out by God in his words. And there they were established exactly as they were supposed to be. God is so great that he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. Isn't that amazing? I, I can't even heap a small amount of water. And God just takes the oceans and the seas and goes. And heaps them all up together wherever he wants them. I want you to be here. And now I want you to be there. And he just puts them all right where he wants them. He gathers the water of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. What does it mean that he gathers the waters up as a, a heap? That he just has these really deep storehouses in the middle of the earth. And he goes, I think that you will reside there. This is where I will keep you. So that you don't flood the entire earth. I will just create these enormously deep trenches and I will keep you there for if I ever want you for something else. I'm going to store that, all that water away in these really deep trenches. 
Because of this, verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Now, should we all be scared? Let all the inhabitants of the earth, or let all the earth fear the Lord. Should we all be scared and afraid? Maybe a little. But the point is in, in the way that it's articulated the second time. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. We just have this reverent awe that we just stand before the Lord and go, Whoa! That is amazing. How do you do that? Have you ever watched those videos on YouTube, People Are Amazing? People are pretty amazing, I have to say. They do the little thing where they, they bounce on, a, on the end of a golf club, a golf ball. And they, they bounce it. I saw one guy, he did the, the bouncing thing where just on the end of this golf club, the, the ball is bouncing, and then he pops it up into the air, and he takes his swing. How does he do that? Or you see them jump over things that should not be jumped over. And they jump from one building to another that you should not do that. But they do. And they do jumps and flips and twists and all kinds of nearly flying but not quite kinds of acrobatics. And you go, that should not be humanly possible, but somehow they did. How do you do that? You just stand back in awe of what these people are able to do because they have practiced and practiced and practiced what they can do. But they, you know what they can't do? Heap up all of the water in the seas and put them in the storehouses. We can say people are amazing and they can do some pretty impressive things compared to me. But compared to God, it's really pathetic. It's like he's looking at it going, yeah, that's cute. You want to see something really impressive? Watch this. Water. All of it. Oh, you didn't want it there? How about I move it over here? It wasn't even hard. I didn't even try, really. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him because He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. He spoke and it sprang into being and then He said, and stay that way, and it did. That's amazing. We stand in the presence of an awesome God. But too often, we don't take the time to look at what He has done and how He has made it work and put ourselves in a proper perspective in the order of His creation and go, Whoa! Our God is really incredible. The Word of the Lord is upright. All His work is done in faithfulness. The Lord is faithful. Verse 10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. 
the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. There, there are lots and lots of people in the world who are trying to do whatever they want to do and the Lord frustrates all their plans. He goes, no, that is not the way that's going to be. That is not the way I designed you. That is not the way I intended it to be. That it, no, no, that, stop, just don't. He frustrates all their plans. But the counsel of the Lord stands forever. And when we start to think about faithfulness, people being faithful, we think about uh, somebody who is there and dependable. You know what to expect from them and they will be there for you all the time. That's faithful. And the Lord does that. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations, not just to you, not just to you and your kids, not just to you and your kids and your grandkids, but to all generations, the Word of the Lord stands forever and He is completely faithful. So blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed are the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord, wonderful. The Lord is so faithful. The Lord is so faithful that He has called His people to Himself. I will be your God and you will be my people. And I will be faithful to you from now until forevermore for all generations. He's faithful. I was at a family reunion last week. I missed you. I wished that I could, could be here. But one of the amazing things about going to one of my family reunions, and I know this is not true for everyone, is that every night that we were there, we had a worship service. We sang praises together. We have multiple worship uh, pastors in my family and multiple preachers in my family as well as uh, other people who are in ministry of various kinds. So we had uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 people uh, at this uh, family reunion. Not everyone could make it, unfortunately, so it was a little bit small this year. Um, but we had all of those people together, and every evening we sang praises to God because my grandparents started that. And my parents and uh, some of my aunts and uncles have continued that. And my generation is now there. And I'm seeing to the fourth generation God's faithfulness to my grandparents. And some of you are going, I can't even think that way. I've never even seen anything like that. And what I'm telling you is that the Lord is faithful and you could be my grandparents. And see it in the second and the third and the fourth generation because the Lord is faithful. He has called His people and He will never leave them. So blessed are the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. The Lord is upright, the word of the Lord is upright. All of His works are done in faithfulness. The Lord is just. He loves righteousness and justice, it says in verse 5. And then he expounds on that in, in verse uh, 13. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. 
From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. If you're going to have one person judge the whole world, this is who you want to do it. God is in a position like no one else. He is looking down from heaven on all the inhabitants of the earth. Sometimes I look at the way things are going and I look at what people are doing and I, from my vantage point over here, look at them and go, I don't think they should do that. And I begin to make some judgments about what they are and are not doing. But my perspective is a little bit limited. It's pretty small. God's perspective is huge. He stands up in heaven and He looks at all of them. He knows all of them. Everything that everyone is doing. And He judges that righteously and rightly, correctly. He looks down and goes, Yep, I know what they're doing. I know why they're doing it. Look at this. He who fashioned the hearts of them all and observes all of their deeds. Don't you sometimes feel like, I wish that somebody else saw that because I don't think that anybody else is paying attention. Sometimes you look back at something that happened in your past and you go, I just wish anybody would believe me that that happened. I just wish that someone else knew that this was there. That they did that. And God stands in heaven and He looks down on all the inhabitants of the earth. He knows all their hearts. He knows all their deeds. He observes everything that's happening. And from that position, He is able to judge all the earth. He is righteous and just. How awesome is our God? The Lord loves His people. Right? In verse 5, it, it, it said that He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. It is hard to think about that. That somebody can love righteousness and justice and also be full of steadfast, faithful love. It seems to me like you really have to pick. You can either be all for righteousness and justice or you can be very loving, but you really, it's hard to do both. And what the Lord does is He just does both. He's not limited by what I think people are able to do. He just goes, nope, I can do it. The king is not saved, verse 16. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Look, don't bother looking at anything else for being saved or your hope or protection or anything else because it's all in the Lord. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His steadfast love, that He may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. The Lord has steadfast love for His people. Those who hope in Him will be protected. It says He will deliver their soul from death and, it will keep, and He will keep them alive. Somehow, when you look back at verses 4 and 5, somehow, the Lord is upright, the word of the Lord is upright, 
All his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. And we just look at all of those things and go, how could he do that? How can he do all of those things? How can he create the world to be perfectly ordered and exactly the way it's supposed to be? How can he, um, how can he be just in, in expecting perfect righteousness and observing all of everything that's happening and be just and at the st- same time have this steadfast, faithful love? And in Romans chapter 3, it describes how he can do that. Romans 3, verse 21, it says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins, and it was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so when we look at at this just and righteous God who looks at us and goes, whoa, hang on there. I'm seeing, I am observing your heart and also your deeds and recognizing there's sin there. And so I offer Jesus. That way, I can both be just and the justifier. You will be justified. Now you are righteous before me once again fitting in the proper order of all of creation, and I'm still just. This is the Lord's steadfast love toward us. That when He sees us who have been told by the church and by the Scriptures that we are sinful, we can also be justified so that now, having been a sinner, we are now righteous before Him. So that when the, when the psalmist is calling us, Hello, all you righteous people, it's come to shout for joy time. We can go, Hey, that's me! That's me! I get to do that. Right before, we were the, the mopey people. The people who had our sin that that we just cried and moped. But when we come to church, we no longer have to do that. Because He has given us Jesus so that when we believe in Him, the sin is taken away. No longer do we have the identity of sinner. It's not that we haven't sinned. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we no longer have that as our, our identity. We are now righteous people. Righteous people being called to praise, to worship, to shout for joy. It's time, it's time, it's time. It is time to come and worship and praise. He gives us, the the psalmist in the last couple of verses of Psalm 33 gives us where we are to remain then. Our response to all of this. Verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord, for He is our help and our shield. We are supposed to trust. Our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. We don't trust in anything else. We're not hoping in anything else. 
Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Look, God, this is what we know about you. We've just rehearsed it. That you are just, that you are faithful, that your word is righteous, and that your steadfast love endures to us. And so we are calling, Lord, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Even as we hope in the Lord, His steadfast love is on us. And so He, he starts off, right? He starts off by, by calling us to worship. We, that we are to uh, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, because praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to Him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to Him a new song and play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. And then... We are, after rehearsing all that the Lord has done, he says, Now our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. And so now, now having gone through the whole psalm, we get to put those two things together. We get to shout and sing, and trust and hope. And we get to do that in communion. Now, some of you are not familiar with the shouting and singing form of communion, right? You're, you're familiar with the, the mopey, uh, quiet version. Um, but when we understand what communion is, it is a reminding ourselves that we hope and trust in the Lord. That's what we do. It is a reminder that Jesus died for our sin on the cross, that now we are righteous. We are now God's righteous people because of this. That's why it's hopeful. That's why it's a shouting, singing kind of a time. Because when we come, we are reminded, hey, I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not a sinner anymore. And so I'm going to take the bread and I'm going to eat it and I'm going to remember, I'm not a sinner anymore, I am now righteous. And we hold the cup up and we go, and Jesus' blood took care of that. I'm not a sinner anymore, I am now righteous before God. And so we're going to sing. I don't know if I'm quite going to get you to shout, but I'm going to tell you it's okay to shout. Did you know, there's a, a, an old song, <clears throat> some of you uh, remember the hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord song. The, you, hallelujah is the Hebrew word for praise the Lord. So it's just, it's just, you're just singing praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise you the Lord. That's the whole song, if you put it all in English, which it doesn't flow as well, so we don't. We just say, hallelujah, 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 praise ye the Lord. Kids, do you know that song? Yeah. Oh, good. I didn't know if you knew that song. Adults, do you now know that song? Okay, kids, do you want to be hallelujahs or do you want to be praise you the lords? Okay, adults, they want to be praise you the lords. And so you get to be the hallelujahs. Okay, we're going to try. I don't, what's the standing up part? There's a standing up. Yes, we definitely have to do the standing up part. What's the standing up part? Oh, even better. I like it. Okay, so this is going to be, this is, some of you are uncomfortable with this. 
This is going to be whole body worship all together. I have seen you try to worship the Lord and you tried to do the hand raise and it kind of looked like, yeah, I'm here. Okay, this is whole body worship now. The kids are here and so life is different. Okay, adults, you're going to stand and sing hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Then you're going to sit and the kids are going to sing praise ye the Lord. Okay, we'll give it a try. Ready? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> All right, that wasn't too bad. We will try and get a little bit more energetic on the next song. But now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful for your uh, grace to us. We are grateful for your love, your steadfast, faithful love to us. Lord, when we think of all that you have done, we are in awe of you. We cannot help but stand in reverent awe when we think of your creation, of your sustaining power, of your observance of all things, of your perfect righteousness and justice, and still have not neglected a steadfast love for your people. And so, Lord, together as your people, we rejoice in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's your challenge. During the next song, uh, there is a, a plate with the bread and the cup here and a plate uh, with bread and cup in the back. There's gluten-free bread in the back as well. Um, during the next song, you have to sing energetically and also make your way to get the bread and the cup and bring it back to your seat. And then I will come up and we will all uh, take it together after this song. <laughs> 